You know, Brittany, nothing gives me naked confidence like hitting the gym first thing in the morning. The rush, the endorphins, it just sets the tone for the entire day. Ooh, I like that. Naked confidence. Yeah. It's all about the perfect playlist for me. The right music can uplift my mood instantly. Mm, you know what a close second is for me? What's that? Not stinking. <laughs> That's why I use Lumi Whole Body Deodorant. It's like a secret weapon against odor powered by mandelic acid. Yeah, you're odor-free for up to 72 hours. I love how Lumi tackles every odor concern with natural ingredients, and I appreciate its versatility. I tried it everywhere, from pits to feet. It never disappoints. Plus, it's baking soda-free and pH balanced for safe use. And the fact that it's clinically proven to block odor all day, well, that's a game changer. Definitely. And with Lumi Starter Pack, new customers can get $5 off with code TLC at lumideodorant.com. It's a great deal for a fresh start. Don't miss out on feeling confident everywhere you go. Visit lumideodorant.com and use code TLC for a special discount. That's L-U-M-E deodorant.com. Cheers to confidence with Lumi. I think that any sorts of hard conversations start with a hey, I found this interesting and I would love to get your thoughts. And then you figure out what works for you as a couple. You're listening to The Laughing Couple Podcast with your hosts, Brittany and Ryan Ostafi. Join them weekly as they discuss topics such as relationships, kids, sex, parenting, all unfiltered, and all with a healthy dose of laughter. Please welcome your hosts, Brittany and Ryan Ostafi. That was such a weak clap. That was the weakest clap I feel like I you've I ever done. I can't hear it. That's how oh, weak it there was. There it is. There it is. <laughs> Let's hope that it's loud enough for Jake to hear and it's synced. Okay. I'm just so happy that I'm allowed to talk now. Uh, hello, everybody. We have a special guest this week. We haven't had a guest in a really long time. And like, I love you, but I also love that we get to talk to somebody else in our conversations. <laughs> that came out weird. Yeah. Um. So we have Tori Dunlop here today. How are you? It is blizzarding out in Seattle. Is it really? What is a blizzard for us? So I'm literally, I have like this huge window. I might unplug my laptop and show you. It is just coming down. Oh. So I am so happy. I am so happy. You love the snow? I do. Cause we, we may be in Seattle. Where are you guys at? Where are you located? We're in Ontario, Canada. So we like okay. Toronto area. Oh, yeah. so you don't like the snow. Yeah. For us, it's yeah. like a novel thing that happens like once or twice a year, okay. usually around February, but it has snowed like three times. So you're just loving it? Um, I do. I mean, Seattle's not, very I don't Vancouver love the reason why, which is climate change, mm -hmm. but like, it's beautiful. It's mm. so lovely. And so I'm sitting here in my office and I'm bummed I have to work. Excited to be here with you oh, thanks. because yeah, of the good. snow. No, no. Yeah. I'm like, let <laughs> It's it's one yeah. of those things where you know you immediately become a kid and you're like, oh, where's the sled? It's true. Like, what's the snowball fight? How can I get in there? But the fact that I get to watch it too while talking to you both is just like I'm so happy. So throw on some me. Christmas tunes and literally because I have a bunch of like work I have to do later, and that's literally what I was fantasizing about this morning. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna put on some like cozy Christmas jazz and light a candle and sit I in listen here to and... Christmas jazz all the time. I love best. it. It really is the best. Okay, so in case you don't know, I who... feel left out, but yay. <laughs> Yes, in case music. you don't know who Tori Dunlop is, we have her here. She is, I, I want to call you like a financial guru, but she has her own podcast called The Financial Feminist. She just she just wrote a book. Not just the, not just it's a It's the number podcast. one business podcast. Number just one business throw podcast. Throw it out there. Let's just, woo, woo, woo. 
Let's not step over Your that. Your work has been featured in multiple publications, including Forbes magazine. You've been on Good Morning America. I mean, there's the list goes on and on and on and on. So that's your like little pre-edification, but we really like when we have our guests come in and tell us like for you, what do you want to say? Like, who are you to the people? Like, because we- To the people. To the people. Let us know what you're about, sure. what you want to do in your own words. Yeah, it's always funny somebody reading like my professional bio back to me and I'm like- yeah. You're like, okay. Yeah, yeah uh, <laughs> I guess I guess I did that. Um, no, so I was the friend all my friends were coming to for fi- financial advice and guidance as I was growing up. And I was lucky enough to have a financial education from my parents. So I had parents who were committed to teaching me how to save money, teaching me how to manage a credit card responsibly. And I thought, everybody knows. Everybody Mm -hmm. knows all of that. And of course, realized that that wasn't the case. And then I was the expert of our friend group, right? And I put expert in that that situation in quotes. Um, I graduated college in May of 2016. And of course, here in the States, Donald Trump gets elected not soon after that. And I am coming into adulthood, but really into womanhood in a very different country as a 22-year-old than I think me and many other people expected. You know, we expect our first female president. That does not happen. And so I'm trying to figure out what is my career? What is, you know, how do I make money? How do I navigate this? Also, how do I do the best to, uh, you know, be able to go on trips and eat out Mm -hmm. and enjoy the city while also taking care of myself financially? And then when I'm having these conversations with friends, when I'm having these experiences at work of really misogynistic comments or watching friends who are especially women friends getting overlooked for promotions and opportunities, Mm -hmm. and I'm going, Oh, when I have money, I have choices. Mm-hmm. When I have money, I have the ability to leave a toxic job I don't want to be in anymore to pursue something else because I, I don't have to depend on that income. Right. When I have money, I don't have to, uh, you know, date someone who is, you know, paying half the rent for me, even if I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. Mm-hmm. When I have money, I'm able to take that vacation or I'm able to donate to causes I believe in. And in a society and in a system, that I was, you know, unpacking as a person in her early 20s and realizing just, uh, I was going to say just how fucked it is, but you might have to bleep that. Like, no, just no, how bad no. it really it's is. Fucked. We it's swear fucked. a lot. Yeah, we it's swear fucked. a lot. And so, and then, you know, with my own privilege of having a financial education, I realized, okay, there's a responsibility here. And so I don't believe we have any sort of equality for any marginalized group until we have financial equality. So I started the business later that later became her first 100K a month after the 2016 election. That's and amazing. I built it on the side of my nine to five in marketing. The Her first 100K origin story was me saving $100,000 at age 25. I successfully achieved that goal. Uh, was in Europe celebrating, got the call for Good Morning America, came home, did the interview and quit my job three weeks later. And that wow. was uh, October, September, October of 2019. Since then, we are now a community of over three and a half million people. Um, we have helped the, that many people pay off debt, save money, start investing, negotiate their salaries. We have a podcast and a book called Financial Feminist. Um, and really, this is what I believe I was put on this earth to do is fight for women's financial rights. That's- because if we get more women, more money, they have all of the choices and options in the world. And they can not only take care of themselves financially, but start changing the world. That's literally so impressive. I'm just like, oh, it's amazing. Ryan, you always make this point too, and it's a good one. But he always is like, okay, like you feel you've got all these amazing things that you've done. You're super successful. But feeling the impact that you're making on other people's lives is often like that is what kind of blows you out of the water. Like you are directly affecting another woman's life, future. 
like that's, present. I mean, that's that's why we do it. And we get messages now probably every five minutes from a woman that's somewhere amazing. of I paid off twenty thousand dollars worth of credit card debt. I negotiated fifteen percent more in and my pay. I, you know, just saved my first thousand dollars. And for me that feels like such a win. And then the most powerful thing is what comes after that, right? They have the financial win and then there's always a comma and then they say, and I feel so much more confident in every mm. aspect of my life now. Right. Because Again, when you have money, you have choice, but also you get to choose to be in rooms you want to be in rather than right. rooms you have to be in or forced to be in. Right. And getting your financial shit together has ripple effects in every other aspect of your life. Uh, you in a relationship, your uh, you as a parent, you as a you know uh, you at your job or you're in your career, you just showing up better for yourself because mm -hmm. again, everything becomes an option or a choice. Right. It doesn't become a, like a must do or right. something you're forced to do. It's free. Yeah, we used to, well, I still to this day refer to them as invisible handcuffs. Um, yeah. being a, being a father, a new father with a stay at home mom early on eight plus years ago, um, having a job that I hated, um, you know, by noon Sunday getting anxiety cause I knew mm -hmm. the next day I was going to go somewhere I didn't want to be. And I had to be there because not being there meant that my daughter wasn't getting fed or my wife wasn't getting fed. And they really, that, that salary that we had that I had at that time was invisible handcuffs to me. And, yeah. and there's a movie with Mark Wahlberg in it where he talks about fuck you money hmm. and it's positioning yourself to be able to say to whomever it is that's, that's talking to you in a manner that's just not proper, you know, fuck you mm -hmm. because you can afford to say it. And it's not like having millions yep. of dollars. Like you just, equated it to a hundred thousand dollars right having a hundred thousand dollars in the bank gave you the Even ability to say fuck you that. yeah right, right? like I, I always joke we're not talking about jeff bezos money here we're just talking about like enough money to make decisions right and if you're a member of a marginalized group i think this is even more impactful if you're a woman if you're a person of color if you're queer if you are disabled you have been conditioned by society to play small right mm -hmm. and you have been conditioned to take whatever is given if mm -hmm. anything is given as the as society or really the patriarchy's way of controlling you and it is a literal act of protest to have enough money to say nope i'm not going to do that right i'm not going to do that that's that's not i'm not comfortable with that that violates my boundaries that is really fucked up i'm just not going to do it mm -hmm. and that is so powerful to be able to stand in that power to play big and when you have money you at least have more of an ability to do that right and um that's the feeling I want for every woman. That's a feeling I want really for every person, but specifically for me, it's it's every woman of like, again, how do we get them in rooms they want to be in and are excited to be in rather than rooms they're, they're forced to be in or like even lukewarm about. Like it's right. 2023 now. We don't do lukewarm anymore. I want a boiling hot hot <laughs> I want boiling hot. Like <laughs> I, we don't do lukewarm when it comes to careers. We definitely don't right. do it when it comes to men. Like we are doing boiling hot right no more lukewarm well as, i want blisters as a man uh who <laughs> <laughs> is not marginalized in any capacity um you know not a man of color not a man like lgbq none of that stuff so in the snapshot of the world economic way of living i'm like the anti-conversation that you're having right now and i can tell the, you the, that you're the privilege i can tell you how how suffocating it is to be in the trap that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. even with the privilege that mm -hmm. we had, 
Patriarchy uh, hurts men as much as it hurts everybody else, mm -hmm. right? Like, I want to make that clear. Like, patriarchy, the, the society we have built demands you show masculinity in a certain way that damages you as much mm -hmm. as it damages everybody yep. else around you. Yep. I've been in many rooms I didn't want to be in because I had to be. Mm -hmm. uh, right. And, I, and I've been in situations that I did not want to be in, but I had to be in them just to get out of them. Right. Um, yeah. And it's a game. Um, so I love that you're bringing light to this conversation that we're having it. But can we, before we get into the podcast, can we do the I love you and you're annoying? Yeah. So we briefly told you this. So typically we base it around a person, but we thought it would be really fun if you told us something that you, like, we know you love your job. Clearly it's very evident. Yeah. Is there something that's like super annoying in your field that you're like, could do without this? Or maybe it's just like a date, like a new thing that you're like, not loving. Outside of when it's snowing and you have to do a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sure. outside, like let's be clear. Stop. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. No, I, um, <laughs> there's something about being a content creator that even I cringe at. Mm. Like, the word influencer or content creator, or there's times where I'm with like friends <laughs> and I'm like, I am sorry, but I have to record this. Like I, I have know. to record B-roll and my friends give me shit about it. And I'm like, unfortunately, this is what I even I'm cringing while I'm doing it. I'm like, I, I hate you. this. So like, I love my job and I, you know, I love the impact we get to have on TikTok or Instagram or whatever, but I'm also like, oh God, this is so annoying. I like agree. when I watch other people pull out their phones, I'm like, fuck off. It's <laughs> gross. I know. And yet I have to do it sometimes. And I really I do try to like, like not, not do it in a, in a like environment where that's not okay. Right. Or, but it's like, it's, sometimes I have to, and I'm like, oh, I know. I, I totally feel I hate you. that I have to record a good chunk of my life or that mm -hmm. I have to make somebody else in my life record a good chunk of my life. Yeah. Um, and it just feels weird and gross. So I, I don't hate think it. I ever feel comfortable storying in public. And it's like what I do all the time, but to the point where like I literally was doing a story in my car the other day and a woman um, like walked by and like literally looked like into my soul. And um, I, I always do this where I pretend that I'm FaceTime. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, I'll just call you back. <laughs> but like, right. I'm that I delete my Instagram post. It's fine. Um, but she ended up like coming up to me in the uh, supermarket or whatever. and was like, I follow you. And I was like, oh, sorry. I was just like talking to my mom in the <laughs> She was like, oh, it's fine. I didn't notice. But for me, I'm like, this is so cringy because I do the same thing when I see someone else like at their phone and maybe they're filming. I don't whatever it is, their outfit or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, ew. But then I'm like, I, I get it at the same time. Like, have I to have it. to do it. <laughs> yeah, you gotta do it. Anyways, it's okay. hard. It, it's hard to get a message on if you're not talking. It is, but it is cringy. Yeah. So no, I totally and it's necessary. It. And it's also, I think there's sometimes like, I hate the people who stop everything for five or ten minutes to like get a photo of their food. Mm, and I'm like a it. big foodie, so I literally will just do. If I want a photo, I do one, maybe two, and then I'm like, I'm done. I cannot. Even if that photo is shit, I will not. I will not take another photo. No, I, just, I can't do it. I think that that's really like a real foodie though, because then you want, you really want to eat the food. Like yes. And I'm also, I, I do it more for my memory. I mm. very rarely actually post photos of food. It's more like, Oh gosh. Okay. If this, if this is about to be the best meal of my life, I really mm. want a photo of it. I want to remember um, it. And I walk into every single restaurant going, this is probably going to be the best meal of my life. That's just the kind of person I am, especially with food. I'm like, I give I me all of it. it. But yeah, it's, it's something very, very, cringy to me even while i have to participate that's fair okay i think, I think if you've got friends that you share that with and they know that a For is part sure. of your job but b that yep. you think it's cringy too 
then there's less judgment and it's like, mm-hmm. all right, we can totally. participate in helping you do something that you think is cringy because we think it's cringy too. Mm-hmm. And that's literally what I say typically when I'm like defending myself and they, they always jokingly kind of roll their eyes and I'm like, I know it's my job. And they're like, I know, I know it is. I know. And I'm like, this is the thing that is making me millions of dollars. So like, I just need yeah. you to be okay. With You'll it. be fine. Hey, Ryan. Yes. You stink. Um, okay. I stink too, don't worry. Everyone actually stinks, and it's normal to have body odor, just in case you needed a reminder. Okay, thank you for that. But the best part is, you don't have to stink. (laughs) Just try Lumi whole body deodorant. You're right. And Lumi's powered by mandelic acid, tackling odor for 72 hours from pits to feet, even private areas. It's incredible. Over 300,000 five-star reviews, and you can literally use it everywhere. And the scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, or my personal favorite, toasted coconut, make it refreshing. Plus, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with code TLC at lumideodorant.com. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that's over 40% off. Stay confident from head to toe with Lumi. Try it with code TLC at lumideodorant.com. That's code TLC at L-U-M-E-D-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. Stay fresh, everyone. Guys, have you tried the new wellness shots from Good Vibes Juice? We have, and they're amazing. Perfect for boosting immunity and feeling great. Good Vibes Juice makes all-natural wellness shots with ingredients that support your immune system. And they honestly taste good. Plus, they're great to have before you feel sick or even to help you recover faster. It's like having Granny's homemade remedy, but conveniently pre-made. They have three different shots to choose from, Sick Day, Get Well, and Turmeric Daily. The Sick Day shot has echinacea and ginger, known for fighting off colds and boosting immunity. The Get Well shots feature elderberry, a superfood ingredient that helps increase immunity, and the Turmeric Daily has turmeric and chamomile. My personal favorite is the Turmeric Daily. It has turmeric and chamomile, which for me, having recently turned 40, is great for anti-inflammatory and calming properties. What's great is that these shots are all natural with no preservatives or additives. You can take them as a shot or mix them with hot water for a soothing tea. And here's the best part. Visit goodvibeswithansjuice.com and use promo code TLC to get free shipping and 20% off your first order. That's www.goodvibesjuice.com with promo code TLC. Let's boost our immunity and feel great with Good Vibes Juice. Shout out to Claritin for providing samples and sponsoring this episode. Full disclosure, I was listening to you talk the other day and I was thinking to myself, why does he sound that way? And then I remembered that it's allergy season and that's just your voice because you're so stuffed up. Ah, yes, the old allergy congested accent. Luckily for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Claritin D's fast symptom relief starts working on allergies with nasal congestion in as little as 30 minutes. Oh, perfect. So I won't have to listen to you speak like this for the next few weeks. What? You're not into it? It's not uh, not endearing? No comment. Designed for serious allergy sufferers like Ryan. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieves your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. Claritin D tackles nasal congestion caused by allergies or a cold and also relieves sinus congestion and pressure due to allergies. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. 
Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. So convenient. Just ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. And remember, only use as directed. I'll take you on a trip later. Just let me know. Literally. Literally. Okay. So in the show notes, we always ask our guests like some things we want to talk about. And I'm so intrigued by this first one. So you say... (laughs) Obviously, you talk about managing money, um, specifically in a relationship, because a lot of our listeners are in a relationship or a relationship parenting podcast. So right. you recommend that couples do not fully combine their finances. And I can see that this might cause a little scuffle in the relationship world. So can you elaborate on that? Why it's why it's something that you would suggest? And to be clear, we have completely combined ours. Yes and no. I still have a separate account. You do? Yeah, but it's, <laughs> it's you I'm know kidding. that. I'm totally kidding. But everything's moving I appreciate over. that because, yeah, it's... So I appreciate you telling me that first. I always say personal finance is personal. Like, if you read my book, Financial Feminist, you will literally... Like, you can take a shot every time I say personal finance is personal oh, and it's you're a drinking dead on the game. floor by, like, chapter two. Perfect. So, like, it is, it is so... Um, and, like, even you called me financial guru, which is very kind, but, like, no one ever in any industry has every single thing that you need to mm-hmm. know And like, you need to get advice from a variety of different people and a one size fits all approach to anything does not work. Like it just doesn't. So personal finance is personal. Asterisks. I have certain things for me as a financial educator that are like non-negotiables. One of those is like, you need to save an emergency fund first. Mm. Like doesn't matter how much debt you have. You need an emergency fund first. That's for me, like a non-negotiable for anybody, regardless of your situation. Okay. One of the other ones is that I truly believe based on all of the research I've done, based on evidence, both anecdotal and again, statistics, data, that you should never completely combine your finances for a couple reasons. One, let's do nuclear option. Okay. If you are in a relationship that turns sour, and if we're talking really sour, we're talking domestic, financial, emotional abuse, that money or lack thereof will be the reason you are unable to leave. Mm. I have seen this. Literally, we get, unfortunately, probably 10 emails a week from a woman going, I am in a relationship that is abusive. I do not have access to my own money. He mm-hmm. has barred access. He has put me on a stipend. He has tanked my credit score. He's taken out credit cards in my name and absolutely like ran up a bill. Like it can be really bad. Mm -hmm. And this is the reason, again, when I say you have money, you have choices. This is the reason that unfortunately I see again, women be in situations, typically women be in situations they are forced to be in rather than want to be in. Right. You don't want to be in a relationship with somebody where you're forcing them to be there or they feel trapped. Mm -hmm. Like the last thing you would ever want if you're in a loving, beautiful relationship is to feel like, oh, they're only staying with me because they don't have their own money. Totally. There's something actually really beautiful of like, she could leave at any time, but she's not because we love each other and because we've built a beautiful relationship. Mm. So that's like really scary nuclear option. The less scary option is a kind of what I just said of like the health of the relationship I think is, is, arguably better for that like she could leave at any time they could leave at any time and they're they're choosing to stay but also not everything needs to be a family council discussion when Mm -hmm. it comes to purchasing like my parents have largely completely combined finances but they have some of their separate money my dad has his like golf money and my mom has her like scrapbook money Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so like they're able to spend whatever they want 
in those areas with mm. their own money without counseling the other. And that I think is a nice way of like having that sort of independence. Now, neither of them is going out and buying a car without counseling the other, right? It's just like, I can go out and play a nice round of golf and I don't have to, you know, counsel her or talk Mm -hmm. to her about it. You also can buy gifts for each other without the other person knowing. Like Mm -hmm. that's kind of a a fun, like specific, like fun, again, healthy, fun version of that. Um, And I truly like the ideal scenario for me is having like a joint account, some combined finances, and then still having your own separate money. Mm. And if you have completely combined your finances, what I would advise is each person, again, has some of that, like what my parents call like mad money, fun money to spend on whatever you want, but also having maybe a three to six month emergency fund that is just yours Mm. or some sort of emergency money. This is also in case one of you, this is horrible, but tragically dies. Mm -hmm. Does the other person know all of the passwords and you don't? What if you need money right away to to figure something out, right? Like there's a lot of reasons why we do this, but I would say the most compelling and the one that nobody thinks is going to happen, but happens way more frequently than we want to talk about is you're in a marriage you no longer want to be in anymore. or You're in a Mm. partnership you no longer want to be in anymore and you cannot get out because you don't have money. You don't have access to your own money. 99% of uh, abusive relationships come with some sort of financial abuse. So if they are domestically abusing their partner, if they are emotionally abusing their partner, they are most likely also financially abusing their partner. And um, again, it's really uncomfortable to talk about, but like these are the conversations that so many women tell me, wow, I wish I would have talked about, or wow, Mm -hmm. I wish I would have known before the situation was thrust upon me. So my question for you is, say somebody, say a woman is in a relationship like you're talking about, okay? And she wants to have some of her own money, but she is a stay-at-home mom and she doesn't, quote unquote, need to work because her partner has is completely 100% responsible for like the financial income in the household, okay? Yeah. How does she say she gets a job or she gets a side gig or whatever. So she has this money. Wouldn't you think her partner would be like, well, if this is your money, like then all the stuff that I'm bringing into a relationship, like that's my money. Like, how do you have that conversation with somebody who maybe isn't thinking like, do you even have to tell them? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, how do you separate that? Because I'm sure there's a lot of women out there who are like, well, first of all, how do I get that? which is probably why they should buy your book, take your courses. Um, (laughs) But how do they get that? And then how do they say effectively, like, this is my money, you need to have your money? I'm going to assume we're talking about a healthy relationship because there is no like bargaining with an abuser, right? There is no discussion at that point. Um, Something, first of all, you should be having conversations about money way before marriage, way before a legal partnership. And that is still something I am not seeing in the vast majority of relationships. Like, just like the conversation of, do we want children? If so, when? Like, what do I want my career to be? Who is, is somebody going to stay at home? Who's going to take care of those children? Like, that also needs to be a conversation about, like, how do we afford this? How mm. do we create a life that we want and use money to do that? Um, I have good friends who just got married. And this is a very specific thing. I've never heard of, I mean, again, all of my friends know that they're going to have to talk to me about money. <laughs> like, we're very transparent with each other. <laughs> I was going to say, I've never heard of this happening before. I don't know if it's actually novel or if just people don't talk about it. But one of the things, um, they actually put together a prenup and they were very open with me about it. 
And they discussed in, you know, the kind of back and forth before they got married that if um, it's a it's a heteronormative relationship, it's a man and a woman. If the woman uh, if they choose to have kids and the woman has to take time off to do that, the the male in the relationship will actually pay her basically to have children or to stay at home because they are a non-compensated working mom. Right. right. If you are a stay at home parent, you are so a non-compensated working parent. And Tiffany Dufu coined that term, who was a guest on my podcast. And it forever changed. I will never say the word stay at home mom again. Non-compensated working mom. Right. Mm. And for my friend is she's like, I'm staying at home. I am working, not being compensated for it. Mm-hmm. I am saving my husband all of the money that he would have to pay a potential housekeeper mm-hmm. or that he would have to do. Uh, you know, his income potential is rising while mine is falling. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that they have aligned is like the amount of money basically that he from his salary will pay her because she is doing domestic duties. Right. Just the way that she, you know, he would pay a housekeeper or a nanny or daycare. Right. And I thought that was really, really interesting. And it sounds again, I've talked to this, uh, I've talked with a couple other people about this and there's an, an initial like discomfort with it, but I think it's actually, it's really interesting. It's very progressive. It is. It's very interesting. Yeah. That's really cool. I don't, I think that the conversation would maybe like, I don't know she's, it sounds like her partner is very open to these conversations, but I think that a lot of men particularly, I don't know how they would feel about that, but I think the the best part we can do is talk about it because as it becomes talked about, it becomes normalized. Yeah. Well, so. and it's, it, it's an interesting thing when you ask, like, you know, if, you know, the, again, if we're talking stay at home mom versus say, you know, a, a working dad or a compensated working dad, mm-hmm. um, like, Oh, I'm bringing home money. Like what is this money now yours? Is it like, what does that look like? And I think it would be interesting to, to have folks consider like, Yes, you have if you have one compensated working parent, but if the non-compensated working parent were to leave that relationship, mm-hmm. what would be the added cost? Correct. Like what would be the cost if that person left? And I think they've done studies that it was something like 150 or 188,000 dollars is what a comp- uh, non-compensated working parent should be making. Mm-hmm. But of course, unless you've set up the system like my friends have, that's not going to be a thing. Right. So if that that partner were to leave or that partner were to not be in the equation, how much extra money would you have to pay in order to clean the house, take care of kids, do school pickup? We've talked about that, but in a really morbid way. We were like, if I die, we were talking about life insurance. Right. This is the importance of life insurance. I was just going to say that. And we came down to the same thing. He was like, literally, like, we had Ryan's life insurance jacked because he was the primary financial income person. And then I started working more. And he said, you know what, though? If you died, like, the impact on our financial household would be wild. There would be no daycare. There would be like the house yep. would be a, an episode of hoarders. Like right. there would be no chef. Like it right. was a huge right. impact. And he was like, I'd have to hire out. I admitted the fur, this to be clear. You know? Yeah, this was Ryan. Like this yeah. was no, Ryan this saying so all valid. these things. And yeah. I'm, I'm really glad you brought this up because this is the other thing. One, life insurance is so important. Hmm. And if people, you know, do end up getting a life insurance policy for a relationship where one person is a stay-at-home parent, they're typically only putting the policy on the person who is making, you know, making money. Yeah, and it's us. like, right. But what happens to your point, if the non-compensated working parent passes away, 
there is still a huge financial huge. hole there. It's just not as socially acceptable to di- to discuss it. Yeah. And my not so conspiracy conspiracy theory is because it's largely women staying at home. Mm-hmm. If men were staying at home, this would be an entirely different conversation. If it was the default for men to stay at home, oh, they would be making salaries. They'd be, you know, cutting, cutting their woman's salary in half. Mm-hmm. And like, that would make sense. I'm not saying don't do that, but like, this would be a much more co- comfortable conversation. Mm-hmm. There is a something that's so weird, unfortunately, about me saying like, is it crazy to give a non-compensated working mom part of that salary? I don't think so. But people are really uncomfortable with that. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. Well, I think there, I think the level of comfort comes into play because if Brittany presented that option to me, <clears throat> if I may, I would look at it and say, we're a partnership. This yeah. happens to be my roles and responsibilities. And this happens to be your roles and responsibilities because we agreed on that. If we agreed. Yeah. If we agreed, right? Obviously, I'm assuming that this was in, in agreement. Mm-hmm. So, And I know. come from the very, uh, my parents, dad works, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. Like, mm-hmm. that was my reality growing up. And I'm so thankful for that. But in a lot of ways, I'm like, world's very different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, world's yeah, very and, different. And I think for me, that's where it really comes into like, there, there's my money, there's your money. I never lived in a world where there was my money and your money. There was a collective mm-hmm. unity of money that we got to decide what we did with that. And to the point earlier, when we finally reached a point where we had some freedom in our finances, now I can go and do things without consulting my wife and she can go and do things without consulting her husband because we've reached a level where we can afford certain things that we couldn't before. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean big things. Like you said, not ca- we're not talking cars. We're not, we're talking like, yeah, I can go out for lunch with my friends and not have to think about it. Right. Um, little teeny things like that, but are that are very important. That they add up. I think for me, my my biggest con- my biggest concern or takeaway that I w- want from this conversation is most people who are listening to this advice are already married, who are probably already not on this path. Mm-hmm. If they were, they wouldn't be listening to this podcast. So, how does someone? How does a woman? Let's go with that with that category. How does a woman say to their spouse? Hey, we've never had this conversation about money, but I think it would be wise for us to separate our bank accounts. Because if my wife came to me with that, I'd be like, where's the divorce papers? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Where's the divorce papers? That's well, first of all, that's not the first conversation, right? It's not like, hi, I would like to split up all of our accounts starting, you know, effective immediately. Like that's not the conversation, right? It's um, hopefully you've already started talking about money, right? Hopefully this, 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 idea of a financial conversation is not new or novel. If it is, and even if it isn't, one of the things that I recommend people do is schedule what I call a money date. So it is a like Mm -hmm. once a month, at least period of time for like a half hour hour where you are sitting down and looking at your money. And if you're managing money with a partner, you're doing this with them. And it's this idea of literally like going on a date with your money and then obviously bringing your partner in to look at your finances. So like, Mm -hmm. what are we spending? What are our progression towards goals? How are our retirement accounts looking? Like, do we have that life insurance policy? And you're also scheduling that time to have financial conversations, which is like, hey, I know we love to travel. Um, How can we use money as a tool to make sure we travel at least once a year? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's get a plan together. Okay, we don't want to have kids in three years. How do we use money as a tool to get there? This is a perfect time to start having those conversations. It can literally just be, hey, I heard... This 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 ridiculous dorky girl on this podcast who is a financial expert talk about 
like her friends who were actually like one of them was getting compensated for staying at home. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about it? Like yeah. here's here. If you can have time, listen to the episode. Mm-hmm. And then you get to talk about like how that feels to both of you. Right. It doesn't have to be like, I want to do this immediately because I will, I will confess to you. I'm not married. Right. Like I haven't had to walk through this yet. <laughs> right. So I think that any sorts of hard conversations start with a, hey, I found this interesting and I would love to get your thoughts. And then you figure out what works for you as a couple, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be as like dramatic as a complete separation and a complete separation immediately, right? I, again, if you're managing money together, I actually don't, I don't think a complete separation is the right thing to do. But it might just be as simple as, Hey, I, I get a lot of anxiety when I spend money without counseling you first. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if we split up just a little bit of money so that we can have our own flexibility. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, Hey, you know, I, again, I heard this woman on this podcast who was talking about like a lot of people are in, or in marriages and relationships that they, they, you know, don't want to be in. And I love our relationship and I love you. And I never want to feel that way. And I never want you to feel that way. So it's important to me and to the health of our relationship, because I want to be here for a really long time to never, ever feel that way or to have you feel that way in this relationship. We always talk about it not being like accusatory too. You're coming into the conversation. Yeah, no, there's no morality in it. It's like, hey, this is a gentle conversation. I'm not making anybody wrong for this. It's something that I think that we should talk about whether we get to the end where it's, you know, what maybe I suggested or not. It's it's a conversation that you're bringing to the table. I do want to also just jump back before we I ask you about something. When you talked about um, compensating the working parent, I think that part of the appeal to that to a woman would be when you do make the decision to stay home and you know child care part of you feels like you're giving up your career like you you're really like balancing both yep so i think that if you're being compensated right for these years that you're home with the kids it it would make the blow a little less like hard blowish blowish because <laughs> you would be like well you know what like i'm i have this income i've i i have this savings or whatever that i would be getting in my career so like at least right. the financial blow isn't as going to be as impactful i mean it's funny because it's kind of like you're taking from peter to give to paul because but it's we, like the money is going to be here but right, it's also the money's here. still there but Correct. it's this idea of like it is I, I i love that point and i think that is really what my friend is feeling which is like I am a working woman. I make a bunch of money right now and I Mm -hmm. love this and I love being able to financially contribute to this partnership and also to my own life. I have my own financial goals, right? Like, and she is, she's a woman of color. And so I think a lot of her trauma about money comes from not having enough watching, you know, the relationship sour because of money and also just having this immigrant mindset of like, I have to make some of my own money. She is a woman of color. He is a white, white man. And so I think, that's the other thing too is like when you do take time off work to raise a family take care of ailing family members this is a typically uh, a task typically given to the Mm -hmm. woman in the relationship this is not just you not earning money which is a huge identity issue potentially right Mm -hmm. of like i'm not making money then what am i everything right 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 but it's also this is part of the pay gap this is Mm -hmm. part of why women end up earning less than men do is because they take five, 10, 15, 20 years out of the workforce. Mm-hmm. And that's that severely limits their earning potential for the rest of their life. 
And so I think her logic too is it's like, okay, I'm willing, you know, if I get to the point where I'm excited to do this and I'm willing to do this, like I am sacrificing my own career to give us the thing that we both want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's huge. It's interesting because you think if you, if you look historically now, the world's kind of changing. We are obviously entering into a recession. So there's going to be some significant changes, which significant changes are amazing opportunities for people to reset. Um, so that, there's that. But if you look at it historically in your thirties, that's when you start to climb that corporate ladder, so to speak in your forties is when you start to set yourself up at the C-suite and in your fifties is when you make your money. If you remove, and if you look on the opposite side, 30s is when you typically have your children. So you are you are taking the corporate ladder steps in your 30s and eliminating those and then trying to play catch up from your 40s. Mm. I look at, as an employer, I look at our, our female employees and I look at it and say, when they have kids, a lot happens in a year. Mm-hmm. Like yep. a tremendous amount of business <laughs> occurs in a year. And if you're not there, you're catching up to an entirely different business, mm-hmm. yeah. like an entirely different business you're coming back to. And you could have been the leader of the pack for years and years and years. Everyone came to you. And now all of a sudden you come back to work and everybody, including the intern, knows more about that business than you do. That's pressure. It's insane. I think it's insane what and, women and have to go huge, through. it's a huge, it's a, you know, it's like running a race carrying an extra 50 pounds right Mm -hmm. and you're expected to still run at the same pace and i really appreciate you saying that it's also so interesting we know this again from data is that when um again heteronormative relationship if uh they have children the men get what get what's called a fatherhood like like oh i'm trying to remember it's a fatherhood payment yeah but like (laughs) it's like motherhood penalty fatherhood bonus or something like Mm -hmm. that where actually when men have children it is not, why aren't you staying at home with them? You're a bad parent for working. It is, wow, look at this man providing for his family. And actually, literally, we can see in the graph that their earnings start spiking. Mm-hmm. The moment they have children, their earnings go up. The graph starts climbing higher. The moment women have children, it is, you're a terrible mom for not being at home with them. Mm-hmm. Oh, she can't manage her time very well. Is she going to be fully present in this meeting if she's breastfeeding? And so her even if she goes back to work even if she goes back to work like the day after giving birth which is insane Mm -hmm. like her earning potential now decreases yeah so as a woman like you cannot win (laughs) like that's the real no winning for you and that's what we talk about with like with my work and with financial feminist is there's so many systemic issues when it comes to money or personal finance the personal finance equation is about 20 percent personal choices which is Mm -hmm. like budgeting getting that life insurance policy, like working to understand the stock market. And the other 80% is I live in a country with no paid family leave required by law. Mm -hmm. I live in a country where currently my rights are being violated to decide whether or not I want to have a child. Healthcare is tied in the United States to our job. And Mm -hmm. if we lose our job, we lose our healthcare. Uh, Minimum wage is awful. Like systemic racism ableism sexism all of these things and like you have to have conversations about money that include talks about systemic oppression or talks about these really uncomfortable issues that like i don't have an answer for the answer i don't think is not ever have children because Mm -hmm. then you're told as a woman why aren't you nurturing and caregiving you don't want children like that's not the answer either there's no winning (laughs) that's the thing is it's like 
even just having these conversations and in no way am I telling every single person listening to this podcast, yes, you should, you know, be compensating your non-compensating working parent. And like, you have to find the thing that's right for you Mm -hmm. truly. But even just thinking about it in a different way, I think will make your relationship stronger. Or even just considering, like, again, I hadn't thought about that. And we were at a bar in Brooklyn and they were sitting down with me and they're like, yeah, we actually figured this out. And I was like, actually, to me, that makes so much sense. But then I brought it up with my partner. You know, we are far away from from the talks of actually having children, but like brought it up to my partner. And he was like, I that's really kind of weird. (laughs) Right. Like and super feminist, super progressive. Like this is it's just important that we have conversations about different ways of operating that we might not have considered before yeah now i know that we're running out of a little bit of time but i do have one additional question for you i was listening to some of the previous podcasts that you were on uh, including the ones that you actually run yourselves and someone there was a couple and they brought it actually was on your instagram and they brought up the fact that sex education and financial education are very similar in the fact that the people teaching you how to do it are telling you not to do it don't have sex and save your money we're entering into 2023 we're entering into economic times that are not the greatest. What advice do you have for your community and for ours to generate money? Because saving money is not sexy. No. That's no. Tagline. And it's, um, the, yeah, the context of that quote, which thank you for bringing it up. I had um, Rich and Regular on the podcast who are friends and fellow financial experts. And we basically organically got to this conclusion that just like money is not taught in schools, Um, Mm -hmm. just like financial literacy is not taught. If it is, it's like never spend money ever. It's the same as sex education, which is like never have sex Mm -hmm. ever. And then we joked, if you're just going to do it, just do it a little bit. Just (laughs) like if you're going to spend, just do it a little. Literally, I said just the tip on the phone. I was like, I don't think I ever expected that I would be saying just the tip on my podcast called Financial Feminist. Um, But yeah, it's, I love that you said generate because uh, in my book, we talk about how the advice for men is increase your income, uh, start investing, right? And the advice for women is like, stop spending money, you whore, basically. <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> it's just like, you are you are awful Bet you didn't see if that you one spend money. <laughs> but literally, like, you are awful if you spend money and specifically, like, stop spending money on frivolous things. And the right. frivolous things they discuss are lattes and manicures and Dior bags, but not like NFL season tickets. Right. So very interesting. So sure. in terms of generating wealth, um, I, we have been saying something internally at her first K a lot as the stock market has not been doing well, which is that millionaires are made right now. Like the way you build wealth is by investing in the stock market. And this is a perfect time, even when the stock market is fluctuating, to do everything you can to start contributing or contribute more because stocks are on sale, Mm. right? It's this idea that if an index fund is normally $200, but now suddenly it's $150, well, you just got a discount, right? And we know from all of the years of the stock market that unless we have a zombie apocalypse, the stock market will rebound, right? And that is how we grow our wealth. So that's one thing is if you do have flexibility, putting money in the stock market at an increased rate is a great way to start to start growing your wealth. Much better than a savings account. Mm. Way better. You whore. now speaking of savings accounts, you do. I was talking about the emergency fund before. You do need. Did you say you whore? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you do need an emergency fund, right? And you need a robust emergency fund that actually reflects your current living expenses. Okay. I know that 2020's three-month living expense emergency fund is way different than 2023-me's three-month mm-hmm. emergency fund, right? Everything's more expensive. Gas is more expensive. Groceries are more expensive. So if you have already saved an emergency fund, amazing. Make sure that's actually reflective mm. of like your living expenses and do everything you can to maybe pad that a little bit. If you don't have an emergency fund, that is step number one. Before you think about investing, before even you think about paying off debt, making sure you have that emergency fund. The other big thing is diversifying your income as much as you possibly can. Because if you are the person out there who is just working a nine to five job, who isn't maybe investing or having interest on a high yield savings account or has a side hustle or even has like two hours a week somewhere else, If your hours get cut, if you get laid off, if something happens, it's going to be a lot harder, which Mm -hmm. is why we, again, we save that emergency fund, but having even a small source of income on the side can be really, really helpful as like things start adjusting and changing. And the last thing I'll say too, a lot of people don't realize almost every recurring bill you have is negotiable. If your cable, if you still use cable, your cable bill, your Wi-Fi, your phone, uh, typically your interest rate on your debt all of these things are negotiable. You can literally just call up your provider and say, hey, I'm going through a you know a, a time of uh, economic crisis. Is there anything you can do for me? I would love to have my interest rate lowered. And mm. sometimes they will actually honor that. Or Perfect. I would love to, you know, I see, I saw this deal from somebody else. Are you willing to honor it and give me a 20% discount? Perfect. Well, Tori, you'll be happy to know that this podcast is going to be launched on the 28th of December. Ooh, the yeah. day after. Yay. Yeah. It's literally a week from today because we're recording a week early and it's just wild to think that in a week, four it's years crazy. of hard work is going to manifest to just like one moment. So, wow. Crazy girl. Well, three million people have been impacted by your words in a very short period of time. I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot more than three million. So congratulations for the Thank impact you. that you are causing in this world for relationships, for individuals. Um, you know, if this is what you're put on the planet for. You're doing great. You're doing great. Have a lovely afternoon. Enjoy the snow. Hit the show notes, grab the book. Congratulations. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again in 2023. Amazing. Thank you so much. Bye. everyone. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists, owners of The Therapy Group, and hosts of The Shrink Chicks Podcast. Every week, we bring you a new episode where we dive into therapeutic topics like inner child work, dating anxiety, family dynamics, relationships, and burnout. Making them more relatable and understandable, leaving the psychobabble behind. We address the things you've been dying to ask your therapist but don't know how. And work to help you stop shooting all over yourself with the expectations society can put on us. Tune in every Monday to Shrink Chicks on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to follow along and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Prepare to learn all about you because in order to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. Hey.